Well, we are in uh, beginning a brand new series uh, this week. It's going to be seven parts. It's a little longer than we normally go. I normally try to keep things in uh, you know five chunks or less. Um, but uh, I really wanted to take some time for us to really sink our teeth into this concept of the soul and that we need to have some soul growth and some soul maturity in our lives. And so this is a little take on uh, the concept of solution and this is we're going to be looking at, at the solution because most of our issues in our daily lives, our frustrations, our relational conflicts, our, our place of obedience with God, all of that comes back to how we deal with our own soul, whether or not our soul has matured and been regenerated like our spirit was instantaneously in Christ. And we've got to have some growth in our lives. So if you've got your notes, you, the wonderful little uh, uh, blue and green piece of paper, you can crack that open. We've got your fill in the blanks there, our, our key scriptures. And we're just going to jump into this and chew on this concept of the soul. And this is our, our, our thought for the whole series is God is desiring to continually grow us from the inside out. And this growth is in the area of our mind, our will, and our emotions, also known collectively as our soul. That's what our soul is, is our, our mind, our will, and our emotions. And God wants to grow us in that area. See, when we accept Christ and we step over from death to life, then that our spirit is regenerated. And it is there, and it is pure and pristine, and it, it is, it is <clears throat> ready to, to be in the presence of God. It is, it is completely remade like Christ. But then we're still connected with this thing called our soul. Because we are a spirit. We live inside this thing called a body. And we possess a soul. We have this mind, this will, and emotions. And there was a great book called The Battlefield of the Mind. And it <clears throat> just goes through because all of this growth process, it plays out in this, in this middle ground called the soul and we had we have to 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 grow in this and of course the discipleship process is us coming where we choose to be more like god where we choose his kind of his kind of thoughts now uh, <clears throat> a lot of uh, guys who've had uh, or married or have a you know a special person in their life who you know a lot of times we uh um you know maybe we have a chore or something in our and I like doing the dishes or carrying out the trash. And uh, I don't know if anybody has ever heard this said, you know, about somebody not wanting to, uh, to help out around the house. And you just kind of reluctantly begin to help out around the house. And you hear the, the concept, I don't want you to just help out around the house. I want you to want to help out around the house. I want you to desire to contribute and to begin to think about those kind of things. That, is th that thing is, is actually what God is looking for. That's what's different about Christianity. Is it's not just this outside, adhere to these rules. Okay, I carried out the trash. I did all of these little things. I've made my little check marks. Okay, now I'm a good little husband. I did all these things. Well, if, if your soul, if your if your mind your will and your emotions were connected into it man your spouse can smell it and knows it and it's just as worthless as if we try to serve god 
from this place of God. Well, guess what? Look at me. I showed up at church this morning. I'm going to fill in every little fill in the blank that, that Pastor Brandon says. I'm going, to, I'm going to do a little bit of reading on my own. I've checked all this out. Look, I, 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 did, my, I did my part. I'm good. I, I've just done the surface. No, this whole process of where God desires us to desire Him. He wants us to want Him. He so loved us that he pursued us and he gave his best. And that, is, that process is of a, a, our maturity is us growing to where we want to want what God wants. And in that, we, that's, that's what we're going to be talking about. I love the story of the, the uh, uh, <clears throat> little boy that uh, got in trouble. Messing around, disobeyed his mom, and uh, got in trouble with his mom. And she uh, told him to go sit in the corner. He was going to be put in his little timeout chair, and it was, he was done. He had his 10 minutes in the corner, and he walks over to the corner, and he looks at the chair, and he stands beside the chair. She's like, hello, I told you to sit in the chair. And he just stands there, refuses to sit in the chair. He says, look, seriously, you're going to have to sit in the chair. And he just stands there. He's like, okay, now you're going to be in there 15 minutes. And she escalates it. Finally, he just reluctantly walks over, <clears throat> sits in the chair. He's sitting there, he's all pouty, and she hears him mutter to himself, I'm standing on the inside. <laughs> well, a lot of us, a lot of us in our relationship with God, are that way. that's that part of the soul where we decide that we're going to be right on the inside that's why that's where god starts that's why christianity isn't about all the surface stuff it, he immediately jumps in and begins to deal with our heart issues why because everything flows out of the heart everything flows out of our soul that is what is so incredibly vital and see and we understand this concept we understand this concept of the soul being this who this person really is, this, this personality. And it's not that God is wanting to change us and to clone us all into the same little cookie-cutter Christian personality. He's made us all individual, but to where we are bent towards Him. Now, most of us, when we are in the, uh, the dating and the, the courtship part of, of our lives, then the physical plays an initial role in attraction. And so, and you're like, whoo, man, that's a fine specimen of humanity right there. They are good looking. And be attracted. I was physically attracted to my wife. She was a beautiful young woman. And, uh, but then as I got to know her, what I fell in love with was not her physical person. What I fell in love with was her soul. As I began to know how she thought and what, and what made her tick and all of these different things, that is what I fell in love with. That is where our, our friendships, our lifelong friendships are connected on a soul level. That's why we understand in the world even has this phrase of a soul mate. Why is when we connect on this deeper level? That is who we really are. The surface, the facade, it's not who we really are. Who this is on the inside, that is who we really are. And the transformation that God and that Christ wants to do in our lives, that's the growth that He wants. 
we've been regenerated in the spirit. We still have our soul issues. And that's what Christian maturity is about. Is it happening right there. Day in and day out. That is where it's taking place. And that is what this is all about. See, <clears throat> maturing in our souls is going to affect every area of our lives. I love what the Apostle John says here in 3 John 1-2. Now, before we get into read it, I want to set up a little context. Okay, now the Apostle John, okay, he is the, the, the last, this is his last letter to write, okay? He's an old man when he has written this, okay? He has been a part of, was a part of Jesus' ministry. He was a part of the early church and its development. He has personally been persecuted. He has seen in the, the nucleus of Christianity being brought into the world. The message of the gospel. He's been in on the ground level. He knows exactly what's going on here. And this is his last letter that he's getting in some last ideas as he is writing. And this is what he opens up with. This is what he opens up with. Dear friend. I pray that you may enjoy good health and that all may go well with you, even as your soul is getting along well. I like the way the, the modern King James Version reads. It says, beloved, in regard to all things, this is going to affect everything. I'm throwing these nuggets at you. Come on, work with me, is what he's telling these, as he's writing. I, I'm, this is going to cover everything. This is a carte blanche statement. In regard to all things, I pray that you... Prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. Even as it develops and it grows and it matures, all of these other things are going to begin to fall in line. Your life is going to take a turn for the good as your soul matures. Our life flatlines and gets stale when we stagnate in the area of our growing in our soul. When we say that's good enough, in that area, everything is to begin to flatline. But when we have this idea that we want and we desire God to work on the inside of us and to mature our souls, everything begins to change. Everything begins to, <clears throat> to take a, 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 an upswing. See, because we need to understand that we all begin basically in Christ at the same place. There was this tour guide that was, that was taking a group and, and, uh, through, uh, through a, a tour in Europe. And they come upon this, this sweet little European village. And uh, one of the, the tourists asks a, a local. Local sitting there working at his shop. And uh, says, has, has, uh, any great, have any great men been born here? He said, no, only babies. And that's, we have to understand that. Sometimes in our minds we see the end result you know, of somebody who really lives for Christ, really getting things done, really making a difference, and we see their soul maturity, and we see their, their, their strong uh, spiritual strength, and we see what they're, what they're doing, and the, the strength of their marriage, and the strength of their, their children that they've raised up, and all these different things. And we, we see that measure, and we forget that they started out as a baby Christian too. We all do. We all start there. And all the difference between one person's growth curve and another person's growth curve is their willingness to say, God, renew my soul. I give you permission to change 
my mind, the way I think. I give you permission to change my will, the things I desire and the things I want. I give you permission to help with my emotions so that I'm not led by them, but I, they're given by you and I can enjoy them. This is, we, we have to embrace that that is where God is starting. Now, when I first uh, laid eyes on my gorgeous wife, um, at that point I was, had made my decision, I was... I was going full bore with God. I wasn't, wasn't pursuing any females. I wasn't doing the whole dating thing. And I was about five weeks into that big long time. And uh, anyways, and, uh, and so on, along, all of a sudden I go home for spring break. And, you know, here's this beautiful blonde. And uh, meet her, except there was a problem. Um, she wasn't a believer. She wasn't did not know christ was not going in that direction so i just kind of was like okay and I, in fact whenever i we got home home to asu and i was there with the, the high rise with brandon moore i just said man i i, I missed that i missed that blonde girl i couldn't even remember her name but there was just something i was just i was i was attracted but i was like i, I miss her but it was just i just knew that at that point she wasn't going in that God direction. I was going in that God direction. I'm just going to hold to this. Literally, and within a couple of hours, I get a call from my mother who says that she has just led Cutie to the Lord. That she had just led her to Christ. And I'm on that, woohoo! She's free game! And, uh, and so... Uh, you know, and immediately, you know, my, my sisters had rededicated their lives to Christ in that same, in that same moment. And uh, they were wanting to come to a place where they could be encouraged to mature and to grow in Christ. And so they, we were very involved in an on-campus ministry. And so they came on a Thursday and came and <clears throat> attended that, uh, that, that Bible study. And so at that point, our relationship began. This happens, and it happens, in, and we meet in uh, March of one year by march of the next year we were married and i was on staff with the church and we were we were in in ministry i'd begun volunteering in the youth and had the awesome opportunity to to clean for jesus and uh yeah it was a, a great a great time in our lives and but in that short period of time in that one year from her saying not, have, not having any relationship with God, to all of a sudden having to help people, young people mature in Christ. God had to grow her in this incredible rate. And it was just amazing to see the growth curve in her soul. That all of a sudden things just began to just shift. She'd been a smoker for years whenever we had met. And God just released her of it. I mean, it was just, boom, just, we're just... The desire was just gone. There were just certain things, certain life processes. God began to change. And then God got brought her up to it. And then all of a sudden, it was like, because it was like growth was easy for her. There was this grace. And then all of a sudden, she hit this place where she had to begin to allow the normal growth process, the rest of us, go through a little slower, a little more day in and day out growth. And uh, and she is embracing this. Well, my if you don't know my wife, she's uh, I, I'm real laid back, and she's not. And uh, she's a little more 
fiery, a little more uh, get going. And uh, one of the things is she's gifted with the, in the area of, of perception. And she can just, she can just oh, pretty easily cut to the chase on things. And so um, I kind of see the world through rose-colored glasses, and she just rips the glasses off and just sees it. And, uh, and so, but there was this process where God had to mature her in this area. And she was real good in, at, at perception and seeing consequences and all these different things. And it was funny when we first got married that uh, um, I would do some, or there would be a chain of events and uh, an opportunity for us to make a decision of, of whatever kind would come up. And she would know that, and she would just discern, because she's just gifted in that area, even just spiritually from God, she would know that my tendency was going to be to choose this one direction. And maybe she didn't like that. So she would have been at home and have already go, okay, it's going to go this direction, and it's going to go this direction, and it's going to go this direction, and then that's going to tick me off, and then we're not going to like this, and it's going to create this problem, and then I'm telling you, and she had seen the end result and was mad about it. And I would come home and say, oh, you know, we need to discuss this decision. And she just, whoosh! I mean, she's just, we're just having this conversation, and she's like two steps ahead of me because it's a rerun to her. She's already had it. And I'm like having it for the first time. And I'm like, oh my gosh, what is going on? And so she had this incredible gift, but her emotions in that area had not matured yet. And pretty soon she learned that God had given her that gift not to tick her off because she would hate it. She would hate that she would know that how things were going to roll out. She would hate that she knew how things were going to go forward because she would get mad about them before they ever happened. And then when it happened, she'd get all the double mad because that burning, I knew it was going to happen. And then she would just get double upset. And she finally began to discern that, hey, God's given me this so that I can pray, so that I'm aware of what's going on here, so that I can protect my husband from being a moron and stand in the gap for him and pray for him so that he doesn't go this direction with this thing that's going to end up ticking me off. And all of a sudden, this soul maturity began to catch up with this spiritual gift that was in her life. And all of a sudden, the tension that created went down. As believers, that's the thing that we're talking about. As we begin to mature, that there's a lot of things that the Spirit of God will do in your life. There will be natural giftings that were already there. There will be things that you'll be two steps ahead of other people. You'll, there'll be time, there may be things in, with the church that maybe you're two steps ahead of me. You're like, Brandon, why aren't you dealing with it? Brandon, why, why, why is Celebration Church this way? You know, with it, we, maybe some things need to go. You know what? And a lot of times that is enabling you to be able to move to a place of prayer or whatnot. Instead of creating tension and frustration, God gives these gifts to mobilize and to to get his people engaged and involved. And this idea of growth is something that should just be continually ongoing in our lives. We should never get stale. I love what the... uh, um, Great uh, Spanish cellist Pablo Casals said at 95 years old, 
he passed away about a year after this interview. And, and this young interviewer is asking, asking him, why do you still practice? You are the best cellist. Why do you still practice six hours a day? He's 95 years old and still putting six hours a day in on the cello. And his re- response was, well, because I see improvement. That is, that is it. You know, people think, why do we keep growing? Why do we keep going? Why do we keep putting in the effort? Why do we keep being diligent in our relationship with Christ? Well, because I see a little more of Christ in me every day. That ought to be all it takes. It's not that we're comparing ourselves among ourselves. He didn't go, okay, I'm the best and now I can be done. It's, there's a little improvement. I got a little better. It's worth the effort. Our standard isn't each other. Our standard is Christ. And that's the thing is as long as we're moving linearly towards Christ-likeness, that's all that God asks of us. See, in this, this thing of being able to, to, <clears throat> to live in the Spirit, it helps us with this thing of Deuteronomy thirty nineteen, which says, This day I call heaven and earth as a witness against you, that I've set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live. See, this thing where we <clears throat> begin to look at it, I, I've got the definitions of the difference between the, the, the spirit and the soul. See, the soul is this thing, and they're, they're very similar. They come from this thing of, of the, the breath of life. And it is the, the suke is the, is the soul part. It says, and it's the vital force which animates the body. And a lot of times, even animals are referred to as having a, a suke. But the pneuma which is this current of air, this flow of air that is the breath or a blast. And it, it comes back and is linked to, the, to creation itself when God breathed life into Adam when he had formed him and breathed his spirit of life into him. And it is a life-giving spirit. Our soul is a good thing, but it has to be led by the spirit. What comes out of that breath that comes out of our soul needs to be animated by the breath giver of the spirit. And then everything is right. We try to do it on our own and things are going to get messed up. And this all happens so that we can make wise life decisions. With that the Holy Spirit is, is teaching or will teach us the things that already belong to us. Whenever we look at this scripture, this concept that the Holy Spirit is training our souls to understand what's already ours, what Christ has already provided for us, this is something that Paul brings up over and over and over again. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 2. It says, We do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age or the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. No, we speak of God's secret wisdom. A wisdom that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. None of the rulers of this age understood it. For if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. However, as it is written, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed it to us by his spirit. The spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the man's spirit within him? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. We have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God that we may understand what he has freely given us. 
This whole passage, Paul is just pleading with the Corinthians that we need to be led by the Spirit so that we can understand what is already ours because it makes all the difference in the world. Now, the great industrialist and, 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 um, and pioneer of the assembly line, um, Henry Ford, who was also known for being an incredibly stingy, tight man. He was just very, very tight with his money. He, he had earned it, and he did not want to give it away. Well, he had hired this man to <clears throat> create his generators at his plant. And so and they were at the top of the line. He hired the smartest guy around to, to be able to do this, and this man creates these generators there at his plant. And one of them goes down, has a problem. And he, they, he has guys on staff that are, you know, mess with it. And they mess with it for days, and they can't get it. They cannot get the thing fixed. So they finally call the guy that created the generator and said, we need you to come in, and we need you to fix this generator. So the guy comes in, spends a couple of hours messing with a few things, dealing with a few things, and pretty soon, boom, they're up and running couple of hours these guys other guys had spent days and days and to no avail so henry ford within just a a matter of a week gets the bill from this guy well the guy sends him a bill for his two hours of work at ten thousand dollars well that's still a big chunk today but man back then it was just a a huge amount of money oh stingy henry ford was just it just ticked him off and so he calls the guy's like, what's the deal? Why would you send me this bill? You worked just a couple of hours. Why did you, you just tinkered with my machines. Why did you send me this bill for, for 10 grand? He said, well, you know, just break it down. He said for tinkering with machines was $10. He said for knowing where to tinker was $9,990. Henry Ford cut the check. See, that's the difference. That's why we need the Spirit. That's why we need to have our minds renewed, our soul renewed, so that we can live correctly. Why? Because knowing what to do and knowing what is already already ours makes all the difference in the world. And, of course, what's the best place to go? But but the God who designed us to operate anyways. Paul basically says the same things in Ephesians chapter 1. He says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray also that the eyes of your heart, also be translated soul, may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. The hope to which he is called, the calling already exists. You just, you just need to know it. The riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. These riches of the inheritance, they already exist. You just need to know it. And his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power already exists. And it's for us who believe. We just need to know it. Colossians 1.9 says, for this reason, since the day we've heard about you, we've not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. That is our soul growing. And then in Romans 12, he he tells us, do not be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. 
This is a, a theme all throughout Paul's writings. It's not just this one little nugget he threw in here to one little group. It doesn't matter what group of people he was talking to. He said, look, your soul has got to grow in an understanding of what's already been done for you so that you can live in it. That is what we want. And we even see here in Luke 2.52 that Jesus himself grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. That area of wisdom is growing in your soul. See, true scriptural wisdom takes place when we begin to think like God thinks. And this means we have to put aside our old ways of thinking. Mark 8 says, Then he called the, <clears throat> the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for a man to gain the whole world, yet forfeit his soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? If we begin to run after all these different things and we forfeit the very person God made us to be. You know, we've seen where you meet somebody at, at one particular point and then you meet them 10 years, 15 years later and they're totally not the same person and not in a good way. It's like this wonderful individual that you knew, this, this soul that you knew, that it disappeared somewhere along the way, that it, it just it went by the wayside. That's what Jesus is talking about. What on earth could you give that's worth losing who God created you to be? There's nothing. There's nothing. There's nothing you can exchange for that. The best thing you could possibly have is being the person God created you to be. And the only way that's going to happen is when we all fully allow that soul transformation. See, and, uh, you know, having five kids, I have to do some discipline on a regular basis. They have to, you know, keep them on the straight and narrow, or, you know, give them their, their gentle rebukes. They're not so gentle rebukes sometimes, some firm discipline. And, uh, but always when they've just done something, you know, especially goofy, um, you know, then I'll go, you know, what are you doing? This is not you. You're not this person. What are you doing? I don't know, Dad. I don't know what I was thinking. You know, we don't, you know, don't tell them, man, you're, you are an idiot. No, we tell them, you're not an idiot. Why are you doing idiot stuff? This would be okay if you were an idiot. That's what idiots do. Idiots do idiot stuff. But you're not an idiot. So what are you doing idiot stuff for? I don't understand this. See, that's the whole thing where the, whole, the Spirit will tell us, why are you making these life choices? This is not who I created you to be. <clears throat> this is why we have to lock in, lock in with what God is doing in our lives. And the beautiful thing, this is one of my favorite scriptures. Why? Because I go to it over and over again. James 1.5. If any of you lacks wisdom... I see that wisdom, I've heard it described as being skillful in living correctly. Of, ha of being able to make good decisions. Of that life and death, blessing and cursing thing. Where you can choose, where your soul is lined up right. If any of you lacks wisdom, I, I dare say all of us hit this place at some point on an annual basis. Some of us on a monthly, some of us on a daily basis. But if you lack wisdom, 
he should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. You know, we can come to God and we can ask him when we don't understand, when we need some wisdom, and he gives it to us without us having to pay the price of listening to a lecture from him or do a lot of penance or, God, I'm never going to do it again or any of this stuff. We just hit this place where we need wisdom and he gives it generously. This place of, he is so committed. He is so committed to our soul growth that it is openly stated that when we hit a bump in that area, we just come to him. He doesn't rebuke us. He doesn't smack us around. He doesn't do any of that stuff. He just helps us grow. He just helps us along. We've got to stay on track in that area. Proverbs 2 says, For the Lord gives wisdom, and from his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. And then Romans 8 says, For if you live according to the sinful nature, you'll die. There's that life and death, blessing and cursing thing. You live according to just the old patterns, which that's the sinful nature. It's not, oh, you're a horrible, terrible, reprobate, criminal person. No, it's just the, the normal way of doing things is our sin nature. <clears throat> if you live according to that, you're going to die. But if, you, <clears throat> but if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Because those who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. See, Christian maturity... It's about the life of God in us showing the life of God through us. And this happens as the choices that come from our mind, will, and emotions are led by the Spirit. This is vital. It affects all areas of our lives. All areas of our lives. All our relationships. All that we do. And that's why it's so vital that we need to grow in this way. But to begin that, you have to have begun the new life that God gives. And I'd appreciate it if everybody would just kind of bow your heads. We want to create a quiet moment here for those that need to, to embrace that fresh life that God gives. And that he gives without rebuke. 